Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Hi, Friday, August 13th, 2010. Red versus Blue, I State football. And welcome to Red vs. Blue. Hello, everyone, and good evening. Thanks for being a part of Red vs. Blue High Stakes Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. And, Mike, the NFL season is here. The preseason has arrived. Uh, what did you think of the uh, the little bit of action we saw last night and tonight? Well, uh, first off, I want to say happy Friday the 13th to everybody. Jason's looking uh, there was a lot of a uh, lot of good stuff. Uh, no injuries that we saw uh, uh, last night or tonight. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to some more good games that uh, continue along. Uh, we saw a lot of good things out of Dallas, uh, uh, Carolina, New England, Oakland, which I'm going to touch on here in a little bit. But uh, it looks like uh, you know I don't think anybody's draft boards have really changed. Uh, over the last, uh, say, 48 hours. It sounds like we had some audio uh, transmission difficulties. We apologize about that. There are a couple of them in the chat room are mentioning it. Thank you to the crew here at Red vs. the Blue for being a part of this special night. This evening we have a very special guest, Emil Cadlick of FootballDieHards.com is going to be with us. We're, he's debuting tonight the High Stakes Fantasy Manager Rankings of 2010. That's a highly anticipated uh, ranking system that combines all of the contests that are in the industry, or as many as, as many as uh, that really uh, make a difference uh, with the big Mike. And so Emil will be joining us here in just a few minutes. And uh, Mike, I'll tell you what, big, my big blue colors from Brandenburg, Kentucky. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to jump in real quick. Um, I want to give kudos to uh, to you and uh, the 
the job you did last weekend as far as uh, doing a draft, doing the show, handling switchboard and things like that. Uh, I mean, that that's very difficult to do, and plus uh, pull off a draft at, at the utmost uh, – at the utmost that you can. I mean, that that was good stuff, and uh, you know, I just uh, you know appreciate that, and you did a great job of it, and you should feel good about uh, feel good about your draft, and feel good about everything that was involved. That was good stuff. Well, Mike, thank you very much. It was a very difficult draft, uh, accomplished drafters uh, throughout that draft. It was last Friday night. We had about 300 live listeners uh, on the air. Uh, actually, his we had uh, quite a few in the chat room as well. Um, it was it was a it was a fantastic show to see the uh, high stakes community uh, come out and watch that football guys players championship draft take hold. Thanks to everybody that was a part of that uh, live play by play commentary draft. You, Mike, David Dodds was with us the entire show last week, and then uh, everybody that was uh, a part of the draft. Um, it, it was just a lot of fun. It's been uh, articles have already been written on it. Uh, you've got FantasyMojo.com has the draft board. Uh, you had Gridiron Irishman in the draft. You had Darren Amani. You had Money Incorporated, Orman Rose, Greenwood Invincibles, uh, Lou from BFD Fantasy was there. Donnie Termiello, uh, Azuri showed up. Wayne Ellis, uh, for Colts fan, he was there. Lenny Papano was in the draft. Uh, myself and Perry and Ollie, uh, Red Activist. I mean, these these guys are all accomplished players, and we had a great time drafting. I'll tell you what, the, the draft board uh, is available again at uh, fantasymojo.com. I'll go ahead and link everybody in the chat room here. And I, I'll tell you what, looking at this ADP that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, I, I've seen these guys um, skyrocketing up boards, and then you start to see them cool off a little bit, and then you see them kind of settle in. Uh, I, we're, seeing, we're seeing a lot of this, Mike, and – I guess, you know, a lot of people want to know what to do with that seven spot this year, right? The six spots, kind of guaranteed. I would guess, I would guess to say 95, 90% of all drafters, first six spots you know what to do with. And so the number seven pick is something we all need to look at. And Lou Tranquilly in the seventh spot in this draft took Randy Moss uh, at, at seven, Mike. And uh, I, I think it's a great pick. I, I don't think there's a lot of um, downside here with Randy Moss especially when you look at what he has done the last several years. Uh, three top ten finishes in a, in a row uh, in, in this scoring format. Mike, what do you think about Randy Moss at seven this year? Well, you know, I don't mind that, but I would rather have Steven Jackson. I would take Steven Jackson uh, ahead of Randy Moss right now. Uh, you know, I hate to base it on the way uh, uh, Julian uh, Edelman played uh, yesterday, but uh, – you know, I, I would just rather have a solid guy that I know I can bank on day, day in and day out. And uh, I feel like uh, Steven Jackson is going to be that guy for me because the Rams, uh, let's face it, they can't get any worse. They're going to get better. John Duckworth was in that draft as well. Redneck T-Baggers, uh, he's in the chat room tonight. Thanks for reminding me, guys. Uh, great draft by all. I tell you, you look at those 12 teams and you don't see a lot of uh, top-to-bottom you don't see a lot of differences. The strategies are all unique. Everybody tried a little bit of a different strategy in that draft. Some went to running backs, two wideouts. Some went to wide receivers, two tight ends. Uh, we saw a quarterback, two running backs, and a wide receiver. We saw a tight end and three running backs. We saw it all, Mike. Three wide receivers, one running back. I mean, 
the only thing we didn't see was four wide receivers, which just it sounds like a death sentence. But I, I've seen a little bit of everything in these drafts, Mike. I, matter of fact, after that draft, I went ahead and signed up for another one because I wanted to see what the ADP looks like from just a, you know, just a, can I can I just well, get an average set of drafters? You know, I, not not that these all were average drafters, but at least it's not loaded like that draft was. Right, Scott. And one one thing I'm one thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna open you I'm gonna open you up here. Uh, uh, you had talked about uh, maybe taking a uh, quarterback early, uh, waiting for the wide receivers in uh, in the later rounds. You know that's a different angle uh, that some drafters may want to take. Some owners may want to take uh, take a quarterback early uh, and then wait for that wide receiver. Uh, you know, go later down the road. Uh, you know, I've been looking at a lot of draft boards and. Uh, you know, it's a chance you may want to take because the quarterbacks, uh, if you can garner one of them quarterbacks that's going, that's going to, that you can guarantee a lot of points, then you can wait on that wide receiver. Yeah. Here's the average. I've, I've got a couple of drafts in front of me. The last couple of FPC drafts that I've seen go off, we've seen an average of 10 running backs in the first two rounds, um, nine wide receivers and five tight ends. Now, some of those are eight wide receivers and a quarterback sneaks up in there. But for the most part, you're seeing a pretty even split between running backs and wide receivers, and the tight ends are, are popping off four or five. Mike, in the draft we were in, what, the draft that I was in on Tuesday night, I had the four pick, and there were five tight ends off the board before 2-9. So let me just tell you, if you're in the top four picks, there's a good chance that none of those top five tight ends, the consensus, uh, you know, Vernon Davis, Gates, Alex Clark, Witten, and, and I guess you throw in Finley there, that there's a consensus. Those guys may not be there for you at that 2-9 pick. They, they weren't there for me because I had full intentions of drafting uh, either Vernon Davis or Jermichael Finley, and uh, neither one of them were there. So that that format puts uh, quite a twist on things for the tight end spot. And yeah, if you want one, you better beat them early. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. And what I saw from the uh, just uh, to talk about one of the elite tight ends uh, was from Dallas, uh, Dallas Cowboys. They they've already they've already said that they're going to throw the ball and throw the ball and throw the ball. And in their first two preseason games, I've never seen as much throwing from Dallas before. I mean, these guys, they're not committed to running. They're committed to throwing the ball. So, you know, it, it was to Miles Austin and uh, uh, Roy Williams even, and uh, Des Bryant wasn't much in the mix. But, uh, you know, uh, is this team going to throw, 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 and how much uh, stock can you put into, into the running back situation? Well, they're definitely going to split it up. Uh, they're, they're going to spread it around. You Obviously, Austin and Witten are the top two targets there. I'm not real convinced, now that you have Austin and Witten, two premier players in the passing offense, that there's really room for another receiver here at an elite level at this point. I mean, when, when we take a look at how much room there is for offensive players to succeed at a high level, I mean, Peyton Manning obviously comes to mind with Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. Um, and Tom Brady comes to mind with Randy Moss and Wes Welker. But look, when you have Randy Moss and Wes Welker, what's another thing that you think about when you have two elite wide receivers? When you when you look at that team, Brady, by the way, was third in completions last year. 
So when you look at that team and you have Brady and Welker, I mean, Moss and Welker leading as elite wide receivers, you'll notice that there's no room for a tight end in that offense. There's no room for an elite number three wide receiver or a, or a real heavy pass-catching running back. You've already got Moss and Welker. So I did a little study and looked at the wide receivers or the, or the, the, the passing offenses that are here in the league. The number one, uh, the, the team that had the most completions last year, the most balls to throw uh, that were caught, was the, te- the Houston Texans last year, Matt Schaub. And yep. if you think about that team, Mike, the weapons there are Andre Johnson and Daniels, right? There's no room for another elite player in that offense when you've got Andre Johnson and Daniels. Now, if there's an injury to Daniels, you better find out who's going to catch those balls. Is that Jacoby yeah. Jones? Is, is that Steve Slayton? Somebody's got to catch those balls. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to talk about, Scott, is uh, I think Steve Slayton is going to emerge uh, again. Arian, Arian looks good. Uh but uh, I think Steve Slayton is going to emerge uh, again as that starter because he is so uh, he's, he's such a viable option out of the backfield to catch the ball, and that's going to make uh, uh, Matt Schaub and uh, Houston so much more dangerous. Well, if you like him, uh, I'm not I'm not endorsing him right now. But if you like him, he's a tenth round pick right now, so there's a lot of value. Let's look at the second team, Peyton Manning. Uh, lead second in completions uh, for the for the Colts offense. Obviously, that's Reggie Wayne in Dallas. Not a lot of room for a for a, a dominant player here when you spread it around so much. I mean, the Garcon. I love Garcon as a talent, but is there room for him uh, to to function as an elite player in that offense? Uh, number three, we already talked about with Brady. Number four was Drew Brees. Here's an interesting situation when you think about the the, the elite receivers on this team. Uh, Marquez Colston comes to mind, and look. There's nobody real else here. I mean, unless you consider Reggie Bush the elite receiver, which, again, maybe 50, 60 balls, again, it, it, does, it isn't out of the realm of possibility for him. But it seems like there's room for another elite stud here, Mike. I don't know if that's Meacham or Moore or, or maybe it's a combination, a combination of Shockey and, and Bush. But the number four passing offense, there's room for more than just Colston as an elite uh, receiver here in this league in, on that team. So that's a situation to watch. Yeah, I totally agree, Scott. Uh, you know, they're looking for a receiver, a number two, and they need a number three, a number four. Uh, Lance Moore, uh, you know, guys will think that uh, he'd be healthy and uh, ready to roll this year. Uh, yeah. Robert Meacham, um, Meacham, he, he showed flashes last year, but, you know, that last year means nothing. Uh, so, right now, uh, Drew Brees has uh, Colson and a running back out of the backfield in uh, Reggie Bush to turn to. So he well, needs I'm, another receiver. I'm, I'm going to run through these real quick. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right, Mike. I'm going to run through these real quick. Brett Favre, again, you've got Rice, and you've got a little bit more room there after Sidney Rice, but, but he spreads it around so much. Uh, Shanko gets his, Harvin gets his, but I think there's still room, and especially, you know, if Rice is dinged up, it's time to go ahead and steal a Bernard Berrien. I mean, you've got issues with Harvin and migraines. You've got issues with Sidney Rice and the hip. There's no reason why Bernard Berrien is falling so far in draft. He should be taken earlier than he is. So, you know, definitely take a look at, at Bernard Berrien if you're in a draft uh, and just hang on to him. He's going in the 14th round the other night. I mean, come on. Let's go on to Aaron Rodgers, uh, the sixth most completions in the NFL last year. You've got Greg Jennings and you've got Finley. But let me, let me backtrack that a little bit. It's really not Jennings. It's, it's a combo hybrid 
of Jennings and Driver. This driver's not going away. The last three years, as he's gotten older, he's gotten better. 30th, 23rd, and now ranked 18th last year. That's, you know, come on. You're getting him in the 10th round. There's not a lot of room for Jennings to be an elite wide receiver when Driver and Finley are taking a lot of balls away. So unless Driver's ready to fall off the map, I'm not ready to anoint Jennings uh, at that elite status. Number seven, Mike, Tony Romo. Again, we already talked about that. Austin and Witten are the elite players. Not a lot of room for somebody else to step in. Number eight last year was Kurt Warner. He's not with the team anymore. I'm going to skip him. Number nine is Roethlisberger. There's so many questions there in that offense until he gets back. Heath Miller is going to catch 80 balls. Hines Ward will still be there. He's not going anywhere. But if Ward were to falter, Wallace becomes a fantastic pick. The value that you're getting on Wallace for this situation uh, is pretty nice uh, with, with his ADP currently. Um, here's where it gets interesting, Mike. The 10th best passing, uh, the, 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 the 10th most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The 10th most um, completions in the NFL last year went to the Denver Broncos. Now, it's a very interesting situation here, Mike. We've, we've, I've just mentioned to you nine elite quarterbacks. The number 10 quarterback on this list is Kyle Orton. Now, That's crazy. Mike, Mike That's crazy. Who's the, is there a receiving tight end there? Not really. Is there a receiving nope. running back there? Well, maybe Moreno, if he's healthy, he's going to catch four or 50 balls. There is a huge opportunity for a wide receiver, an elite wide receiver, to be on the Denver Broncos. Now, look, I hate giving out my gut feelings and my, you know, what I what I'm identifying here because it kind of kills me in these drafts. But as I look here today, and, and the camp news is coming out on Eddie Royal saying that he looks like, uh, you know, the the older version of of him in 2008. He looks like a guy that for a big season considering the fact that there's there's room in this offense for an elite player, Mike. What do you think about Eddie Royal and the value you get with him? Don't like him one bit, Scott. And the reason I say that is because I don't believe in Orton. I don't believe in that system. Uh, Josh McDaniels, I mean, they have, they have some real issues. They have no running back. I mean, he's going to be fine, I'm sure. But they lost. I tell you, the one thing that they lost that's going to mean a lot to them is on the defensive defensive side when they lost uh, Elvis Dumerville. When they yep. lost him, they lost a lot. And well, they're going to give up points, and it's going to be a very tough situation for Denver right now. Well, and let's, 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 just, let's just end it there then, Mike, because, again, you, you, if your defense is struggling, your passing offense is better. The better your defense, I think, the better your rushing game. So if they're having problems on the defense, they're going to be behind. They're going to be throwing even more than last year. So, again, I'm just saying the high-stakes players want, want, this, want to find something that they can get their head around. And, look, there's a lot of completions to go around in this offense uh, for the Denver Broncos. There just is. Uh, we're looking at – uh, the tenth most completions by a quarterback were by, uh, you know, Kyle Orton last year. 336 completions last year, Mike. Those have got to go somewhere. They're not going to a tight end that I know of. Uh, Daniel well, Brandt. Well, well, let me ask you this: Would you rather have uh, Kyle Orton versus, uh, say, uh, Chad Henney? Well, it's a totally, totally different discussion. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to, um, to. Uh, you know, put Orton on an elite level of a quarterback, but I'm, I'm talking about how many balls there are to go around. 
And when you're talking about 336 receptions in a points-per-reception league, there is definitely room for an elite, if not two elite players in this offense. Now, last year, 100 of those balls went to Marshall. Those balls are gone. When Royal is looking like back on target in training camp and he's a frequent target in the red zone, diving catches in the end zone, you know, you've got a rookie, Demarius Thomas, you can't count on. You've got Decker, you've got Brandon Lloyd. I mean, these are nobodies right now. Eddie Royal has at least showed it to me. So, that's, anyway, that, that's, what I, that's all I got on Royal. Well, you know, I, I, can, I can buy it, but not buy it totally because uh, the reason I say that is because they've got to face the, uh, believe it or not, a better Oakland Raider defense, a better Kansas City defense twice a year, and uh, uh, San Diego defense twice a year. So I'm going to have a tough time. Uh, I'm going to have a tough time buying that. All right. Well, well, somebody's got our merger. Let's go ahead and bring on the uh, our guest of the evening, Emil Cadwick from FootballDiehard.com. Thank you for joining us tonight on Red vs. Blue, Emil, and welcome. Uh, welcome. You you, you finally uh, officially met Mike Trent. It's a pleasure to be on the show, and I think Mike ought to talk a lot about how poor Ed Royal, Eddie Royal is going to play because I'm going to be drafting Eddie Royal this year. <laughs> Hi, Emil. Uh, glad to have you on the show, man. And uh, So you're going to draft Eddie Royal. If the timing is right, my friend, it's all about timing. <laughs> I love where it. you I can get him it. in well, that ADP. I will. Well, Emil, thanks for being part of the uh, the show tonight. Uh, you know, there is a question. I, you know, uh, for for most of the high stakes listeners that are out here, real quick, let's get it off the board. Is it Emil or Emil? Uh, it's actually Emil, like Emil. Yeah. Well, uh, I answered the most four letter words, so don't worry about it. It had it had to be one of the three. I am going <laughs> to go ahead. I, I, I've got. Uh, this is, I've had great conversations with you the last couple of weeks. I know you've been just busting your tail off to get these rankings done for the high-stakes players, and uh, there's a lot that goes into it. So I'm going to give the floor to you, uh, Emil, and tell us exactly how, uh, how this came about, why, why it came about, and, 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 and more importantly, we want to know how this thing works. Well, you know, as everything started evolving when the WCFF started and more contests started happening, I just went, you know, somewhere upon the – time frame, I thought, hey, wouldn't it be nice to have a consolidated ranking so you kind of glue everything together and, you know, have a, have a real uh, measure of, of people who are playing in high stakes. So basically what I did was I took the main events. Uh, it's a little, you know, the ancillary events are a little harder, and so I took the main events, and we took seven contests, WCFF, NFFC, FFPC, FFOC, NBC, AFFL, and the, and the payday, and those had the highest uh, amount of uh, players times the uh, entry fee. So what I tried to do is you have to correlate all. You stop me when you need to, but uh, you're trying to correlate uh, the contest, which is not easy to do. Uh, basically, I've taken two factors: regular season regular season performance and postseason performance. And what I've done for regular season is basically a factor of how much the entry fee was in each league times the number of people in the league, which is usually 12 except for the NFFC. It's a little harder to win your league because it's 14 people in the league. In the postseason, the factors I use are the entry fee times the total number of players in the contest because you're trying to beat all the players in the contest and you have money at stake, hence the entry fee. 
So those are kind of the generic factors of how I, I ratio the different contests are those two factors. Am I making any sense yet? Yeah, well, it is. It's very, it's very um, complex, but it, it makes sense because you want to you want to factor in the magnitude of the event somehow. So if there's a if if you're winning an event of 500 teams, you want it to mean more than an event with a thousand, or, or you want it to mean less than an event with a thousand teams. But how does that affect the league in of itself? Because at the end of the day, you're you're winning a 12 team league or a 14 team league. Yeah, those, those I just use the entry fee. So if you if you're playing in the NFFC and the entry fee is thirteen hundred and you got fourteen people, you it's a little harder than an entry fee of thirteen hundred and twelve people. But pretty much everything's nominal on twelve except for the NFFC. So there in the regular season, you're just using the performance based on the entry fee. So a thing like the FFOC, you get very little for regular season because the entry fee is a hundred bucks or less. And the WCFF is the biggest because the entry fee is seventeen fifty. Right. So that that's how we broke that down. And so it, uh, you, also, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. You also mentioned wind was a very important part of this equation. Pardon? You also mentioned head-to-head wins. Yeah. Well, what I did in a regular season, I, I, it's it's a little hard. First off, getting all the data from all the contests is not easy. Some of the people have I've had trouble getting the data from them. Uh, you know, F, uh, uh, payday is gone, AFFL I'm not sure is gone, but FFOC is gone. So sometimes it's hard getting old data. So the problem is regular season performance I have a tough time gauging completely uh, because I don't necessarily have wins and losses from all the contests. So what I'm typically doing on contests I don't have that on is if they make it into the postseason, I make an assumption, obviously, that they had a nice regular season and I give them a similar value as if you finished first or second in a league where I do have wins and losses. So I have a little bit of trouble correlating, but it works out pretty good. What it does hurt, and I don't want to get too crazy here, if you finish third in a league in, let's say, you know, the NFFC, and you don't make it to the playoffs, I don't have enough data yet, and I hopefully will, to give that person some extra sugar because they did well in the regular season, but they didn't make the playoffs. And so that's the data I want to get more. So, you know, that's just one of the things I don't have yet that hopefully I will get. Other than that, it works. It's, we got basically, MO, uh, one, one bad week uh, could could alter those rankings. Uh, you know, if you if you finish that well in the NFFC or FFPC, uh, and then you make it to the playoffs, and then you lose out in the playoffs, uh, one bad week could alter those rankings. Well, you know, there's a scale in the playoffs. Um, <clears throat> you know, if you obviously you win a league, you get a, a, lot, a large amount of points, and it, and, it, and it scales down. You know, let's say in like the WCFF, there's 118 people that made the playoffs. Obviously, the first few are getting the maximum points, and the 818th guy doesn't get as much, but he does get something. So your performance in the playoffs is scaled, you know, from first to whatever, how many total are in the playoffs. Emil, there's, a, there is a, there's always been in the high stakes uh, – community a, a question or discussion about how important is the regular season versus how important is the postseason. A lot of people will say that it's much more of an indicator about your ability to draft, about how you do in your 12-man league versus how you do and or how you finish in the postseason chase. Do you prescribe to that, or and how did you factor for that dilemma in your ranking? 
That's a good question. Um, I don't have the exact ratios r right off the top of my head, but I, I would venture to say that the ratio of postseason to regular season is about 3 to 1. In other words, if I give 100 points for regular season, if somebody does well in the regular season, I give 300 points if they win that contest. So it's about a 3 to 1. That's the guy who wins the contest. But if somebody finished 118th, they're, maybe it's 2 to 1 by then or maybe even less. So regular season becomes, you know, very, you know, maybe more closer to one-to-one. -one. My, my point is this. The winner is the winner. And if you do well in your regular season, that's, you know, that's important. But, you know, the overall thing is winning the contest or finishing in the top ten. That should be more important than, you know, doing well in your, in your, your regular season league. But they're both okay, important. Okay, well, uh, right. And, uh, Amo, I, I, I want to uh... – I want to comment on this. Uh, as a drafter yourself and everybody out there, uh, before we release this, uh, do you draft uh, for the year or do you draft yourself? Uh, I'm just asking you a question right now. Do you draft for the uh, year or do you draft for the postseason? Well, that, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, 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 I always try – I'm so – confused at the draft. I'm just trying to find my glasses. I can't see my list. So I don't even know what I'm doing when I'm drafting. But players who do well, I've seen a lot of people really look at the strength of schedule from weeks 12 to, through 16 and really plan for the postseason. Personally, I, I don't look at that as much. Probably I probably should, though, because a lot of people do it, and it uh, seems to help them. Right. The problem well, is so much changes with strength of schedule is that it's, it's uh, maybe a Overkill trying to do that kind of thing. Well, and it's going to change a little bit this year, especially since uh, the schedules have been uh, rearranged to where uh, it's going to be uh, interconference. I mean, uh, not interconference, but uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, teams going against each other that are, you know, in the same division, uh, and you know, in week 16, 17 versus going up against other teams. So. Mm -hmm. uh, that might keep a. That's going to keep a lot of fantasy players involved. Emo, go ahead and rank. Uh, let's go ahead and, and, and knock down the names. I've, I've already kind of uh, here the last couple minutes started teasing the uh, the chat room here a little bit. Uh, again, <laughs> where do you want to uh, start? Well, let, let's go ahead and start at the top twenty and work our way down. Sounds good. Number twenty. There we go. Matthew Bailey, Honolulu Hammers. I, I don't know a lot of people. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Matthew Bailey is actually on the uh, the board at the Fantasy Players Association. A very, very accomplished drafter and uh, plays in a lot of contests. So. Yeah, I think he just glancing at the results. He had he's played and he's performed well in five different contests, which is an accomplishment in itself. Uh, he's done uh, payday, FFPC, NVC, F NFS, NFSC. He's made the playoffs and he's. One payday also, so quite an accomplished guy. A really mixed bag there. Yeah, and he, and he, and he won payday twice uh, in, in two straight years. Okay, number 19. Number 19, Kevin Landry. Passing time, too. And he um, he's mainly a um, WCOFFer from what I can tell. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's been in that league championship round three on three different occasions, uh, two league titles, a second and a third, 
I know of at least that, and 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 I think three three times in that postseason championship. So that's not easy to do. That's very good. All right. Okay. Let's move on to number eighteen. Eight, number eighteen is Chad Schroeder, who the guy I think played in a hundred fantasy leagues last year. He's a real. He really he plays it professionally, and he's he's. Um, Been in the WCFF all all the years. Well, how many years is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years. Even all the way down to 2002. He won the FFPC in 08. He won payday in 07. He finished second in the FFOC, and he's still crying about it because he's got $100,000 to finish second, and if he'd have won first, he'd have got a million dollars. But he obviously knows what he's doing. Absolutely. We know Chad very well, and uh, those – that championship at payday and to back it up with a, a second place in the FFOC and a, and a first place in the FFPC. He also won his league at the World Championship that year after a 10-1 season. I mean, you get that much right, and uh, you're going to definitely be uh, moving up the rankings. Hey, he's done quite well. Okay. Ed Kilmer. Ed Coach New Potatoes. I'm not sure. Ed, Ed Couch New Potatoes. Sorry, my cold has got me. Yeah. He is number 17. He is, uh, he's been in the WCFF since 03, made the championship round three times, and he also finished sixth in the NSFC. So another guy who's done multiple events. Yeah, and you, you talk about uh, three second-place finishes and also three trips to the uh, playoff championship. Anytime you have three trips, to the playoff championship round uh, in a big contest like the World Championship, yeah. uh, that's going to mean a lot. Yeah, he's finished 8th in 06. He finished 28th in 03 and 38th in 04. Wish I had that record. Yeah, he's pretty solid. All right, let's keep it moving. All right, number 16, William Del Pilar, Doomsday Express. Good old William. I don't know if you know him. He's quite an interesting character. Uh, KFFL.com character. And he had, he, he's finished seventh in '04 in the WCFF, and he finished tenth in '02, uh, which is quite accomplished. And he also finished seventh in the NF, NFFC in '09, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, he's he's done a lot. I tell you, Amal, as I look at these, uh, as I look at these, these track records of success for these guys, the thing that that sticks out to me. Again, obviously, you make it to the championship round three times out of eight eight attempts. That's pretty pretty darn successful. But to see these guys finishing in the top, you know, for example, he's got two firsts, two seconds, and a fourth. Uh, you know, that's five that's five great finishes out of eight attempts in the world championship. I mean, it's just a, it's a very impressive feat. So so to see that, uh, you know, it can't be overlooked when you have that type of win percentage cashing percentage yeah. in the league, I, I think it means the world in, in, the, in these rankings. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty valuable. And of course, he you know finished seventh in the NFFC too, so he's 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 played in other events. That's true. All right, moving on to uh, lucky number fifteen. Number fifteen, Alex. Now you're gonna have to pronounce that. Kaganowski. You got it. Alex. Whoa. Yeah, he popped way up this year. He. Um, I think he was around 60th last year, but he he did uh, he got in the championship round of the WCFF and finished 58th, and he also was 38th in the NFFC, and he's been around since 02, as you can see, he's pretty accomplished, and he's made it to the top 20 and 15th. I hope he'll be happy about that. He deserves it. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. Alex is uh, is here in the chat room tonight and uh, a good friend of the program. Um, uh, first place uh, last year, just an incredible run, 10-1 uh, and one last year. Overall, ninth in the regular yeah, season. Regular season, that's pretty common. Now, we don't really give anything for that, but that's that's something to be considered later. Well, he got the ten, he got the ten wins. Uh, that 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 will mean something. And then yeah, again, he, he and making the playoffs and fifty eight. He had a league title before that and a couple of seconds in that as well. And then to follow it up with that NFFC uh, NFC FC record last year, he had a very good year in two thousand nine. Nothing wrong with that. All right, number fourteen. Lou Tranquilly, three-inch boys. Yeah, he, um, he's he been in since 2002. He's made the championship three rounds, or three times, 32nd, 48th, and 59th last year, and NFFC finished fifth last year. So he's, oh, that's going to tear Alex up. That Lou is one step ahead of him. Oh, that's going to tear him up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lou is Lou is one step ahead of Alex in these rankings at number fourteen uh, overall with fifty four main event career wins, uh, a first place uh, in two thousand and two, a couple of thirds, a second, fifth overall last year in the NFFC, and then also uh, that great run of his last year in two thousand nine. When you nail sleepers like he did last year, uh, you're going to have a great season, and and uh, deservedly so at number fourteen. I mean, look that's that's five. That's five. In, just in the world championship alone, there's a lot of contests you can talk about here with his re, uh, resume. But five times out of eight tries in the world championship, he's cashing. He's cashing that's in his right. league five out of eight yeah, times. I mean, that's one heck of a percentage, Scott. And that reminds me, when we get to Vegas, he needs to buy the beer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. Moving number 13, lucky 13 on this Friday the 13th. Yes, John Anderson. John Anderson, Patton's Third Army. He's an interesting character. He's a lifer in the WCFF, played all the years. In 07, he finished third overall, which is phenomenal. And in uh, 08, he finished 30th, and he's got a couple first place and a lot of victories over eight years. And he actually had two teams in 08, which helps him also. We're yeah. starting to see a few guys that have doubled up on teams, which helps their ranking. Well, yeah, and, you know, John is one. I'm going to have to critique uh, his uh, a little bit closer. I know he's got a lot of main event wins. I think he's up to close to 60 main event wins in just that contest and a couple of first-place prizes and a third-place finish in 2007. That's got away quite a bit for these rankings, um, you know, to, to see him uh, be, be this high. So. Uh, very good success. Actually, I was on the plane with him uh, heading back. He was heading back to Cleveland. I was heading back to Indy uh, from Vegas last year and uh, got got a chance to chat with him. So, Oh, really? Uh, He's a nice character. Yeah, he, he'll be remembered on the boards uh, for quite a long time. <laughs> All right, number 12. Peter Corian, being Bill Parcells, another interesting guy. He and his brother were real close to each other. I guess they split off, so we'll be seeing his brother's name shortly, too. Uh, he actually uh, started in 04, playing high stakes. He finished fifth and sixth in the WCFF two years in a row, 05 and 06, and 27th in 04, in 2004. So he's, he's had a, he hasn't done much the last few years, but those early um, 
uh, victories and those high 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 level in the championship rounds has really kept him way up high. He's probably slipped this year, actually. Well, now, now here's a resume that is utterly mind-blowing here. In six years, in six attempts, three first-place finishes and a second. So four out of six times he played second or better, and then the three times in a row that he won his league, he placed fifth overall, sixth overall, and 27th overall. That is a resume befitting of a team uh, manager in 12 spots. You don't want to see him walking up to your draft, do you? Nope. I'll pass. All right, let's move it on to number 11. Number 11, Dave Hubbard. Um, I don't have him up yet. Here he is. Okay, David Hubbard. Now, he's an interesting guy. Last year, he had two teams in the WCOFF. He finished eighth in the championship and tenth, which is insane. That's phenomenal. And I remember looking at his team, his, his draft position, to see if he had the same players. He had different draft positions, had different players, and finished 8th and 10th in the championship. I, I still can't believe it. And, of course, he's had a lot of he – he finished 78th in 06, and he's been in the league for several years. But those two really jumped him up there. You know, this is somebody that we need to interview uh, at the Fantasy Players Association. You've got a guy in 2009 in – he had two entries in the world championship, and like you said, uh, an eighth place and a tenth place finish in the championship round. That's incredible. I mean, it slipped under the radar because his team name was Meehan and Enemies to All. And so, you know, David Humber, we apologize because I'll tell you, on the board, I didn't see his name getting a lot of recognition, but that's unheard of. Two top ten finishes in the same year in the, in the world championship. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. And he, he's now in the he's number 11 overall, so he's he's reaping the benefits of it. All right, number 10. Making number 10, Stephen Corian, the brother, I assume, of Peter Corian, and his team name is Being Bill Bilicek, and they were basically partners. Number 12 or 10? He's number 10. 12 is Peter, number 10 is Stephen Corian, their brother. Okay. Uh, they're almost the same, but basically I think they split up last year, 08 and 09, and their record is so close. But uh, So basically he had the same team his brother did, which finished 5th and 6th and 27th from 04 to 06. So uh, right. I guess they decided they were going to go their own way. Yeah, they, they split off of being Bill Parcells and became one state being Bill Parcells, Peter, and then, Steve went on to being Bill Belichick, and he's edged him out ever so slightly in the last it's, two years. It's not by far much, but it's there. <laughs> All right, well, we're into the nitty-gritty here, into the top ten, and this is what everybody's waiting for, so let's move on to number nine. Number nine, Jack Ruchin. Abadabas, I guess it is. Now, yep. you, wait till you see this guy. He has made the postseason with six teams. He finished 48th in 03, 63rd in 05, 65th in 06 with WCOFF, and 56th in 08. And this last year he had two teams. He finished 47th and 115th. Wow. Which, you know, again, we're, we're getting to the top ten here where you've seen, you're just seeing a lot of stuff, a lot of accomplishments. But he, he, uh, Jack's been pretty steady uh, throughout year after year. 
Yeah, you're talking about eight main event entries, eight different occasions. He ponied up the cash to be in a league, and when he sat down at the table, on six of those eight occasions, he made the world championship round, the playoff round, six of eight with three league titles. That's unheard of. That's phenomenal. That's a name you do not want to see when you sit down at Vegas is Jack Russian. Uh, and, again, uh, not a name that's, uh, you know, like a message board guy, a big message board guy, unless he has an alias. Uh, but last year, two teams, two entries, and got in on points on both of them and made the championship round. Something else. All right, number, number, eight. number eight. Number eight, James Jewell, body counts. And he's been in 02. He's been the WCF, you know, he's a lifer. He finished second in 03, 74th in 06, 96th in 07, and this year he had two teams and he finished 43rd in uh, WCFF, and he's racked up a lot of victories. He had 61 total victories, which is quite a lot. Yeah, and again, you're again you're in this top ten here. You're splitting hairs with all these guys. He had nine main event entries, over 60 wins. He had a perfect season in 2007 at 11-0. Yeah. And, and, and he finished second in his league that year, too. <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're talking about a guy that has, you know, cashed, you know, six out of nine times and made the championship round four times out of nine. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're starting to string together some very heady numbers here, man. So, uh, James Jewell, very deserving. Number yeah, seven. Good. Lucky seven. Yes, number seven is a tie. It's two, it's two co-managers, Lonnie Graves and John Clift. Now, here's an interesting one. These two characters have only been playing since 07. They've played for three years in mainly WCFF. I don't have any records of them anywhere else. They had one team in 07, first in their regular season, 66 overall. They had two teams in 08, 13th overall and 90th. In 09, they had four teams, and two of them made the playoffs, 79th and 81st. And wow. it's hard to believe a team only in three years can break the top ten, but they because they played multiple times and achieved quite well. That means five postseason appearances in three years. Well, yeah, they racked up six main event entries in just the last two years. And, yeah. and out of those six entries, like you said, they went to the championship round four times. Now, let me ask you. Let me ask you, I think I've asked you before, Emil, maybe people are wondering in the chat room, so I want to ask it here. Is there any more credit given for a win? If the prize pool is the same, is there more credit given for a 2009 win versus a 2005 win? If the product of the entry fee times the number of players is the same, there's no difference. Okay. It, well, it I ages the same. Yeah, it ages the same. Now, the 2002 WCFF, there were 552 people. And the entry fee was $1,250. That's quite less than it is these days. So an 02 win is not as valuable as an 08 or 09 win just because of those two products are bigger now. Right. Understood. Okay. Very impressive last two years for Lonnie Craves and John Cliff. Uh, bigger Mo is the team name. Look for Bigger Mo. Okay, number six. Robert Zarzecki, Z-Man. Uh, a guy who has fallen a little bit in the standings, not by much. I think he was number one a couple of years ago. He, he finished second in 02 and Alex third is, in 03 uh, in the WCFF. Alex is number 15. Yes. Tranquilly is 14. Yes. Uh, I think Mike was just – I think 
I think Mike was just catching up with us there, uh, Emil. So let's oh, talk okay. about Rob Zardicki again. He he's been playing quite a long time, and he yeah, he's a lifer. He's go ahead. Yeah, everybody remembers Rob from those uh, couple of top five finishes right there off the bat. I mean, that was just unheard of. Uh, he, he made the playoffs almost, in 05, too, and he's he's racked up a lot of wins. Six yeah, and six and that, a half wins is pretty high. You get a second and a third place finish, no matter if it was 2002 or three or not. It's going to stick around for a while, um, because oh, yeah. you know he's, I look quite at a great somebody, player. I look at somebody that plays a second and third two consecutive years. You might not win as much money as the guy that takes down the 200,000, like Chris Strassman that year, but it's a much bigger accomplishment to do that than it is to uh, to, to win it in you know just one time, in my opinion. And he also played the. Uh... It says NBC in 09, which is really obviously the primetime league. They changed the name, the other NFFC league, the 12 team, where he finished 30th last year in that. So that that's another nice, nice thing to add to the resume. All right, number five. Yes, number five, David Martino. How do you say that, Maurice Chris? Yes, I think so. Maurice Chris. Yeah, he has. Uh, He's been in the championship round three times. In 05, in the WCFF, he finished 12th. 07, he finished 5th. In 08, he finished 11th. Wow. And I don't have any data from him below 05, so he's done a lot in uh, five years. And he also did well in the NBC also. Again, another name that you would not want to see sitting down with you. I mean, look, you've entered into the, the league five straight years. The first four years, you get three firsts and a second. And look at the playoff championship round, Emil. I know. 5th, 12th, and 11th. That's incredible. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't want to play against him. Maybe I'll get lucky and won't be in his league. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, uh, the year that he went, um, uh, the year that he, that he finished 5th, I, I picked him to win it all. I thought that team was very solid. He went 9-2 and two that year. He had a 10-1 mm-hmm. and one season before that, so. I, I was watching him that year. I, I remember that name. So, uh, very accomplished drafters here, man, in the top five. Let's let's keep it rolling. Who who could possibly top that? Number four. There's got to be a few here, huh? Ian uh, Ian Ritchie and Mark Deming, Hawk and Roll. They were last year's number one team. They've slipped to four. Not that's a bad thing, but they are number four now. And their resume. They made the championship five times. Uh, they played. They played extremely well. They've never. They've uh, finished 58th in 04, 9th in 05, 14th in 08, 44 in 07, and 109th this year. Not the greatest, but they did make the playoffs, and that gives them some sugar. And even though they moved down a little bit, they you know they did make the playoffs. But a few other people did a little bit better. It, it's incredible. How do you make? How do you make the uh, championship round five years out of eight tries? It's just uh, five times out of eight tries. Uh, you know, that's just, gosh, I can't even get my head around how you can you can draft that successfully. You know, I mean, it's, look, these competitions are not easy, and there's guys, you might get lucky every once in a while and sit in a draft with a couple of guys in magazines, but for the most part, these guys know what they're doing. And, you know, to have that type of success, I mean, it's, it's more than just luck. And, and we've had... Ian on the show before, it's, uh, there's a lot of skill and a lot of sound uh, strategy you know, that goes into his draft. Well, you know, two of the years he was 10-1, and one, and one year they were 9-2. and two. That just kind of shows you how, how good they've been. Yeah. All right, man. I don't know how it gets any better than this. Let's keep it rolling. Yes, 
we have Robbie Brown, who I think was number two last year. He slipped to number three, but uh, Ray Ray's Revenge. He uh, This year he finished 73rd in the WCOFF. He finished second in 08, 86th in 06, 21st in 04, and, you know, racked up a lot of victories. So three, three, four times in the championship round and a number two and a 21 and a few others in there gets him up in there. Robbie Brown, uh, again, Ray Ray's Revenge. He doesn't play more than one team seven years in a row. He missed the first year, but seven years in a row he enters his one team. He plays it to the best of his ability. I'll tell you what, I would love to be pure about fantasy football again and just get back to one team that I root for my guys, you know, because i got legs all over the place. And to have that kind of purity, man, one team every year, look what he does. Fourth, first, third, second, second. Uh, you know, back-to-back -back like that every year, four, four championship rounds the last two years in the championship. It's just, uh, man, 57 total wins in seven years. <laughs> never, never a losing season. I, man, it's just incredible. That's pretty awesome. All right, that's why he's number three. Uh, I can't imagine who's number two. Number two. I think last year this character was about seventh, and he had a really good year and snuck right up the chart. David Gerzak, Leroy's Aces, and he's a lifer in the WCFF. He's been in since '02. In '02, he finished. He's number two. David, David Gerzak. Yep. Uh, he finished fifth in '02 in the WCFF. He finished seventh in '03. He's finished 39th in '05. He hasn't made the playoffs since, but he's racked up a lot of wins. But then he also finished uh, quite well in the NBC and the prime time, as they call it now, and that's really helped him out also. He had three teams this year. Even though he didn't make the playoffs in the WCFF, you know that helped him because he had three teams, so he snuck up a little. And of course, the NBC he performed well in also. He finished sixth and seventh in the NBC. Well, well, prime time. Yeah, and again, uh, you get three top championship rounds. You get as a championship in the NBC and its inaugural year, a hundred thousand dollars richer. And then uh, you know the five, the fifth and seventh place rankings back to yeah. back in the championship. And, and the prime time year, comes back and finished sixth and seventh in the prime time this year. Yeah, that's incredible. Last year, two good teams in the world championship because he finished 41st and 53rd overall in the regular season. That. You know, you. I don't know how does that. How do you not get he in the playoffs? Must have just missed the playoffs. Just must have just missed it. Because that, finishing 43rd overall in the regular season, you'd think you'd make the wild card, but he must have just missed it. All right, man. Number one. Number, number one. Please. John Rosick, the champs. John Rosick. He finished fifth this year in the WCUFF. And he finished third in 02, he finished fourth in 05, 16th in 04, and fifth. So he's got three top five finishes in the WCOFF. Wow. And that and among all the – he had three teams in 08, 09, I mean, so that helped his numbers too. But those three finishes, plus a 16th, that's, uh, that's phenomenal. That's probably why he's popped in there. He had so many high finishes. Well, yeah. Three, had three finishes in the top five. I, I don't think anybody else has done that. No. And that that speaks for itself. It, 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 there's definitely strategy there to get you past those, uh, get you into the championship bracket. And once you're there, you've got to have players that are getting hot late in the season. And obviously, I mean, that's got to be. I'd love to pick his brain a little bit. I, you know, I, I I tried to get him on the show uh, tonight because I wanted to congratulate him. 
but uh, he, he wasn't available. Let's take a caller, Emil. We've got we've got a caller here from the nine two zero. Caller, you're on the air with uh, with Red versus Blue and Emil Kelly. Yeah, this is Dave Gerzak. These rankings are bogus. I should obviously be number one. <laughs> you know, I figured you'd say that. <laughs> Rosa, you know, he lives in Chicago, and so I have a question for you. If, um, if he somehow like disappeared, would uh, would I become the de facto like number one then? No, got to earn number one, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got quite an accomplishment, uh, David. Okay, thanks a lot. I mean, thank you know, there's really there's so many awesome players out there. It's, I mean, I really think a lot like of you know guys like uh, Chad Trader and River Dog. I mean, those guys are fantastic. I mean, so. You know, I've had some good luck, so it's great. Thank you. Uh, thanks for doing the rankings, too. Yes, and I'm going to see you Saturday night on the uh, 11th at the FFPC. I know. That's great. We're glad you're playing. That's be fantastic. There, cause I'm, playing, I'm playing in the WCFF Friday and Saturday and the FFPC, and i got a I got a partner who's playing in the Dallas NFFC, and I'm playing in the Bare Knuckle Brawl, and I'm an idiot. But it'll be tough. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, awesome. that's going to be tough. That yeah, will be a that brawl is going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm having nightmares time. about that one. I'm excited for it. Everybody's going to be half drunk, and uh, it should be a pretty good time. <laughs> so, Kurzak, what do you, what league, what what contest are you playing this year? If you'd like to say the Bare Knuckle Brawl. Um, main events. I'm just playing uh, two teams in W Cup right now. Gosh, you playing any other? You playing NFC or anything like that? Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm not uh, playing in that this year. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, actually, I asked Dave to, to give us a call tonight because I wanted to get his uh, his feedback on on these uh, these rankings. And uh, Dave, you've always uh, seen somehow you know put together teams that did very well in the regular season. And that's really, in my mind, what's most important that you come out of here and catch. Is there an overall philosophy that you have, or you you must not be a risk taker, right? Um. Yeah, I'll take risks on certain occasions. I mean, it's, I. I, I kind of don't subscribe to the philosophy of, um, you know, Ian Ritchie and I have talked about this a few times where he would take a player like Ryan Grant and, um, you know, just to lock up those 15 points a week where I would generally be more apt to go for some, some upside where if I'm drafting a guy in the third, fourth, fifth rounds, I want to have that guy have a shot to be a top ten overall player. Um, you know, like I grabbed Adrian Peterson as a rookie in the fourth round, you know, and it was he was a risk, but you know he did really well. So that was just one you know example of a pick that turned out well for me. Otherwise, you know, you have picks that turn out badly too, of course. So you'll well, take a little bit of risk on players in the middle rounds. Yeah, and strength of schedule plays a big part for me uh, in the playoffs as well. For example, I mean, like this year, I talked to Alex today a little bit about Mendenhall. I like Mendenhall as a player, but I mean, he has a pretty tough playoff schedule. Weeks 13, 14, and 15, he plays the Jets, Baltimore, and Cincinnati. And I, you can't possibly win $300,000 with Mendenhall on your team. So that's just my opinion. Uh, slow down now a little we, bit. I'm taking notes right now. Uh, we, started, we started the show talking about Randy Moss at number seven. Lou obviously made that pick, and uh, I think most, you know, I like the pick. But what do you think about that? Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm worried about the Revis matchup if, if Revis is there. It's a week 13. You want to win that game. Um, you know, I'll actually give you my honest opinion. I, first of all, if he's there, yeah, it's worse. Uh, it is Randy Moss, and it's on prime time, and it's on Monday night, and it's at home. So I don't see Randy Moss doing terribly bad that game. Um, I like Moss. I mean, he looks great in preseason. So. 
Well, Dave, thank you for joining uh, Red vs. Blue. Emil, thank you for debuting the Die Hard. We will put this link up to your rankings uh, right after this show is over. Everybody will get a taste of it. Find out where you're at. You can find out. Uh, there's over 3,800 3, names on this thing. Uh, Emil, footballdiehard.com. A lot of tools on that site. I was looking at it today, and there's some incredible rankings there. I hope we can talk about that next week. Sounds like a winner. Congratulations to everybody playing high stakes. listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. All right, Mike, that was a great show. I appreciate you uh, you being part of uh, the, the show. Emil brought the rankings. He brought... Uh, We've got the link. We're putting it in the chat room right now for everybody. Let me go ahead and get it queued up here and get it yeah, in there. Yeah, I, I got it wrote down, and, uh, you know, I thought I thought it went real good, Scott. Everything went uh, on to you, and, uh, you know, it was, it was great to hear from uh, Dave, too. Yeah, absolutely. Dave is a football, uh, fantasy football players championship. That contest is going very well. So, yeah. uh, from all of us here at Red vs. Blue, look, we've got so much to talk about. The Brett Favre watch is on. Michael Turner caught a ball tonight, and, uh, you know, Luke, Luke, Luke McCown looks like he could take over the job for David Garrard this year. Garrard only had 3,500 yards last year with 15 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. It's not hard for somebody to take his job, Mike, and Luke McCown, he played very well. It does sound like Mike Sims Walker went down with an injury tonight. We'll have to find out how bad that is, but if it's bad, Mike, Mike Thomas becomes an instant star. Yep. So, you know, hey, some, also, some if you going to have to address next week. If you didn't get a chance to watch Hard Knocks on HBO with the New York Jets, Rex Ryan is bringing it, Mike. LT looks yeah, like a value. LT looks like a value in the tenth round right now because this guy might have something left in the tank. And with that offensive line that allowed Thomas Jones to rush 330 times last year and 14 touchdowns, what do you think Sean Green can do with that? <laughs> They had eight in the box last year, all year last year, Mike. Now they've got offensive weapons. They're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to stack the line like that anymore. It's going to get even better for the New York Jets running game. You improve the defense. You improve the ground game, Mike. It's scary numbers to think what the Jets could do on touchdowns what, this year. What if, what if Miami was to beat the Jets twice this year? What would you think? Oh, it, it's not going to happen. Come on, man. Come on. It's not going to happen. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> tell, tell, tell Rachel she's smoking some of that funny, uh, that, that, that funny, uh, the funny green. Wacky to backy. Wacky to backy, yeah. Wacky to backy. Yeah. Red Blue. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, big show right. next week. We'll be drafting live on Red vs. Blue. See you then. See you.